is Brian the producer and it's time for me to say hello and welcome to Jersnet, your independent Rangers podcast by fans for fans where all your content is absolutely free, coming to you in association with Forest Precision Engineering. My name's Alec Anderson and I'd like to thank you for joining us tonight, uh, just after what's that, about 12 minutes past nine on the evening of Tuesday the 17th of January 2023, uh, live on our YouTube channel to discuss All Matters Rangers. We're going to have a brief review of uh, the, the the events at Hamden. The, the boys covered that in the main pod on Sunday. A brief review of the uh, the semi-final victory over Aberdeen. And then we'll get stuck into Michael Beale. Yet, yet again, Mr Chatty Michael Beale, another massively uh, revealing or concealing press conference. There's always plenty to get stuck into uh, when Mick does a, a presser. And of course, we'll have a look ahead to our trip down to Rugby Park, Kilmarnock tomorrow night for a wee go on that uh, kind of not in any way bouncy plastic pitch in North Ayrshire. Um, very lucky to say, yet again, I'm joined by my uh, partner on crime, uh, Mr. Brian Archer. Brian, you must be getting absolutely sick of the sight of me, mate. Thanks very much for joining me again. How are you? Not at all. It's always a pleasure to be here, Artie. I'm doing very well. Looking forward to tomorrow's game. Yeah, Kilmarnock. Aye. I quite enjoyed having a, a season, not having to go down there. It was quite good, wasn't I, it? I think it was a break from the pitch that I really enjoyed, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I'm just scared. And I think, given everything that uh, Michael Beale was saying today, I think we could all be, I think it's not just us that are enjoying a break uh, for that pitch. But I'm not even going to use the word break, actually. I'm just going to touch some wood while I'm saying that. Um, just Especially as Kamal, Kamal Roof's probably listening to this. Uh, is it a good place now? I don't want him getting an ear infection or something. Um, on this, but listen, folks, just, uh, as I say, just, just a quick and a special pod. Um, we've got a lot of a lot of action on just now. Uh, we've got a free a free midweek next week, so you'll get you'll get a break for the likes of me. Um, but as Rangers are stepping up, that um, the, the amount of games are playing just now, we're going to step up the amount of pods to, to go along with that. And thanks very much to everybody for 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 joining us. And I'll just as we'd always say to you guys, if you just say subscribe or hit that like button if you haven't done already, spread the word uh, amongst your pals. Uh, all about the mighty Gersnet. It's not just me that's on it all the time, so sometimes it's actually quite enjoyable. Um, we've got, as I say, got a wee look back, uh, Aberdeen game, with the main pod on Sunday night, and the, the boys covered that really well. Myself and Colin did a quick kind of uh, reaction pod outside Hamden, and it was very nice after the one we had to do last year, after last year's uh, semi-final against Hibs went completely the other way. It was nice to be back in the same spot. Um, Reviewing a Rangers triumph, uh, the fact that we're back in, we're, I think it's our 36th League Cup final, uh, we're drawn level, Celtic would get into their 36th League Cup final uh, the, the previous day, but of course we've won seven more than them and hopefully it'll soon be eight. Brian, myself and Colin were kind of not particularly enamoured with the performance, I don't know if it was just the immediate the post-match nerves, that's what you get with a post-match reaction pod. Um, now the dust kind of settled a bit, but a few days to look back on it. I personally, I felt I was maybe a bit harsh on Rangers. I don't know if it's just the, the relief of the fact that we're in the semi-final. Um, what, what was your kind of immediate reaction at full-time on Sunday? Has it changed in any way over the last couple of days? Like, during the match, I wasn't massively impressed. I was quite frustrated with how we played. I was kind of willing to cut them a bit of slack because of the pitch. That pitch was a disgrace for a national stadium. Um, but, you know, kind of immediately after the match, it was just relief to get it through. Um, I think, again, I'm still a bit frustrated. I still don't think that Aberdeen team are a great team. And I think we should have been capable of beating them in, in the 90 minutes quite comfortably. In my opinion, I think, you know, we had the, the chances stuff and I thought we should have been more than capable of creating more chances than we did. But, you know, they dug in well. 
Um, but obviously I think um, Graham Finney coming back here in a good game. Um, he always seemed to play well against us when he was here before. Um, so I think he seemed to give them that kind of dig in midfield that they, they needed and they, they lacked in the previous games that we played them, certainly the one at Ibrox when we sort of cut through them. Um, so I thought he did quite well. Ball them and he can help them put up a bit of a fight. But I was still a bit frustrated just with how we played. Some of the slack passing in midfield. Lindstrom really didn't have his best game at all. Um, I think, again, Morelos looked sluggish and just... Unfit. I know we're kind of always talking about this, but it still seems to be that he's just kind of half a yard short of his peak form and fitness. Um, hopefully he can regain that at some point. I know Michael Bukes said that he's been playing through an injury that a lot of players wouldn't play through, so maybe we need to cut a bit of slack for that. But um, I mean, ultimately, I'm just relieved to get through, and I think that's the thing we say in the finals is you just want to get through them. Nobody remembers the losers of semi finals, so you just want to get through by any means necessary and then get to that final. I think it was the fact that we'd only won one of our previous six League Cup semi-finals and so many Sundays, always a Sunday back at Hamden. It just felt that, and it was that kind of dark way it always is in the League Cup semi-final at the time of year it's played at, whether it be that in November or into January, it's just kind of miserable in Scotland. I think there's just so many bad memories. It was, it was too many too many kind of indicators of all the, the problems we had in the past at that stage of that competition. That I thought I was going to be absolutely elated that we finally got through and got back into another final. I know we got to the final in 2019, but just just generally to, to be in a second final out of all these. But I, I didn't realise, as Colin was telling us at the end of the game, I think somebody else has said it to me as well, uh, that chance that Aberdeen seemed to have in the very last kick of the ball, the very last kick of the ball in yeah. injury time or additional time in extra time, it was actually, I think the ball had actually gone out of play earlier and it'd been, it wouldn't have counted if it had gone in. But I, just, I turned around, I, I was nearly kicking the seat in front of me, everybody standing in the, the north stand where I was, I was nearly booting the seat in front of me like an idiot, and I'm thinking, that as the final whistle went, listen, the sheer frustration, yeah. the sheer kind of, thank God that's done, how, how can yeah. you put me through that, Rangers? And I feel yeah. a bit of a spoilt get, you know, and yet I've not been yeah. spoilt in any way when it comes to the League Cup uh, over the last kind of 10 years. Yeah. Um, I, felt a bit, I felt a bit kind of angry, and I felt a bit kind of ashamed of myself for being that angry. And I don't know if it was just um, the few whiskies I had when I got up the road eventually, and a bit later on when I eventually got up the road, um, or if it was just you know kind of sober, just sobering up, you know, kind of spiritually. Um, but I started to look at the game again. I watched the game again, basically all of it, and I thought we were only half as bad as I thought we were. The goal we scored, the, the first goal, Ryan Jack's goal, I think because it kind of went in with a deflection, I was thinking, oh god, that's typical the way we're, this game's going. Yeah. I don't think I even really cheered that hard in the stadium at the time. When we oh, I, did. Was, I did. It was really weird. I was just kind of so raging. You know, it's just like, all right, finally. Well, we got, I know, it's terrible attitude. But um, I, I forgot. Can Ryan, I can tell you, Ryan Jack certainly chilled. He loved that. He, really he, he, ran right, he ran right past me as well, you know. And I did enjoy the celebration, you know. I remember cheering like hell when the goal scorer got announced over the Tannoy, you know, cheering in a certain direction towards a certain support. But I really felt, you know, that is a scrappy goal. That, that serves. That's the way we've been playing. But when I watched that again, it's like the actual build up to the goal was beautiful. You know? Yeah, yeah. And the thing that I'm, you know, it's really difficult to say as a Ranger supporter these days because of you know, so much, so much of the toxicity that's pretty much one way from the Aberdeen supporters. They try to get more attention, like Leeds to Man United, trying to make it a rivalry with a, a far bigger club. It seemed. I don't know if we actually underrated Aberdeen. I know we're so frustrated. We always say Aberdeen raised their game. I know you're saying you don't think much of them, but bringing Shinny in, he definitely made a difference for them. And when I watched that game back, basically the kind of 
a more mature head on me knowing what the result was. I thought they actually played really well. And we've done the way things are at Rangers this season, you know, how shaky we've been. I think Colin was talking about this at the end of the game, after the game as well, just to show the maturity to kind of not let that phase us. You no, know, because I remember Hibs last season having a particularly, you know, they were just about to sack their manager yeah. in, a, in a few yeah. weeks' time. Um, we just lost to us a few days previously, but they, they went out and just in a purple patch for half an hour, and that was enough to blow us away, you know, in that League Cup semi-final. So for us, for Aberdeen, too, I think they, they played really well in that game um, the other day. I'd be interested to see that they actually, for a change, take this in, take this on. And, and do it against other teams in the league and yeah, maybe in the Scottish no, Cup. Um, exactly. We're not, we're not expecting that. But I think a, a combination of them having played a lot better than I realised, um, Aberdeen, and Rangers not being half as bad as I thought we were, um, and just kind of getting through it. I feel, I feel a lot better about it. But the, the main thing is, I think probably the big talking point amongst the Rangers support, um, a few of us, myself included, felt Alan McGregor was kind of shaky to the point of being a, a, a liability. Um, he's potentially as kind of culpable as anyone for the goal we conceded. We maybe thought he could, he could have come out. Um, looking at it again, the telly, maybe not. Maybe a bit harsh to say he should have been sprinting out just that far, just that quickly um, to, to try and shut down the chance. I think Ben Davis is probably, if anything, even more culpable than, um, than Barisic. But uh, we had Michael Beale today saying, no, Alan McGregor's going to play the majority of games this season for Rangers. And he also called him the best the best keeper in Scotland. What, what was your take on that? I'd like to say at this stage that he's the best keeper in Scotland. He's maybe not far off it, but it might be stretching it to say that he's kind of as far out in front as he has been. Um, I think it's seems like an obvious thing to say that this isn't the Alan McGregor that at his peak we know that he's kind of dropped off um, a level or two for me, the decline started for me. I don't know if you remember the Hearts game at Ibrox last season when we conceded the last minute equaliser and he, he didn't come out for the corner. That that to me signaled the sort of start of um, Alan McGregor's decline. Now, to be fair, it's no there's no fault of him, you know. I guess Father Time catches up with everyone, you know, you can't, you can't go on for it forever. And we all thought when he made that kind of cameo appearance in the Scottish Cup final last season that that was his kind of farewell. And looking back on it, maybe maybe it should have been. Maybe that was the right time for him to, to hang up his gloves. Had having got into a Europa League final and then went on and lifted the lifted the Scottish Cup. Maybe that was the right the right time. Um, but he's obviously felt he could do one more season. But I think the performances that we're seeing is maybe just one season too many. Um, for me, it'll always be the Rangers. Legend, I don't think that will ever be in doubt um, for what he's given us over these two spells. Um, certainly up there with the best goalkeepers we've ever had, and you know that's some pretty good company to keep. To be fair, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of not surprised with the three options that Bill's got. That he's still sticking with He's probably out of three of them. He's the best shot stopper, I would say. You know, he's maybe not as comfortable as McLaughlin at coming off his line, or you know, commanding his box in terms of coming for crosses, um, but he's still capable, even now, of those kind of moments of brilliance that might not be as frequent nowadays, um, but he's still capable in a one-off game of pulling off those magnificent saves, and I think that's probably why Bill's still sticking with him. Um, hopefully it's, you know, something that can sort out for the long term. I don't know if Bill thinks Robbie McCrory's maybe kind of got the potential to step into that role um, long term, I'm not sure. I've not seen enough of him to say whether he has or he hasn't. Um, hopefully, maybe we can see some more of him this season. I'd certainly be 
in favour of that, just to kind of have a look at them and see and assess them. Um, and then if if we if the coaching staff feel it's not ready, then we obviously need to go and find another solution. Um, but I think Bill's kind of attitude towards it now is he thinks McGregor's the best of the three, so he'll be the one that'll play the majority of games. And I think he's openly said that he'll, he'll rotate them based on certain games. So if he feels maybe that McLaughlin suits a specific game, maybe he feels like he needs a keeper that's a bit quicker coming off his line for a certain game, he'll throw him in. Then I think Bill said that he'll do that. I think he said, maybe, or I think it was when he did the, the presser on Sunday, the embargo when he said that, you know, in modern football, he feels like having a defined number one is maybe not the way to go. He thinks you should be able to switch up your goalkeepers for different games depending on who you're playing the same way you would do maybe with a midfielder or a or a winger. So it'll be interesting to see um how he kinda plays it throughout the season. But he's um, certainly kinda given McGregor his back anyway. Right, one of Michael Beale's kind of things just now you and I were discussing his press conference style uh, in, in Friday there is that he likes to a lot of talk about playing the players off each other. He wants the players, yeah. you know, was, yeah. they're talking a day about them they should look each other in the eye and you know outside or outside the stadium or outside Ockin Howie or somewhere in the middle of Bears Denimal guy. I don't know exactly where he's wanting to, to stand outside and look at each other, but play off, you know, this is your rival for this spot. So it seems weird that he's thrown in the almost saying, No, oh, but McGregor, I prefer him, you know. But it's this is the yeah. one role that you can't, you know, a right back can play at left back, etc. You know, a striker can maybe go out wide or something like that, but you know, a goalkeeper is a goalkeeper, and this is the one, you know. Would you really want rivals uh, for the position? But he seemed to be kind of saying, no, McGregor's going to be the man. It felt like he was overcompensating because of the yeah. criticism uh, he got on Sunday. And I think, uh, for me, I think given the way that Barisic and, and, and Ryan Jack had berated the linesman on that North Stand side, hammed in that first half before um, before Aberdeen actually scored their goal, it was a previous incident. They thought the ball had gone out and the linesman hadn't seen it. They should have been, or Barisic should certainly have been um, Kind of switched on to not trust anybody to be ruled yeah. offside. He should he should been covering that. I think Ben Davis' position was 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 pretty terrible. So I wouldn't want to put it all on uh, Alan McGregor, but he looks to me like a guy who's lost his mojo. He's basically yeah. got to that stage, but he knows, you know, if you're firing shots, you know, slightly to the left, slightly to the right, he's going to have good reactions. But even um, the Macedonian fella, I forget his name, who actually scored the goal, um, he, he had that goal that was ruled out for offside maybe about 16 minutes into the game. The one that just kind of, no, that, that kind of marked the turn. We'd been blowing them away, football terms, yeah. in the first kind of 10, 12 minutes. But that marked the slight turn that kind of boosted Aberdeen's confidence that got them into the game. Uh, Majewski, that one he slotted into the top corner, I think that gave him the confidence because he's been having a bad run as a striker. you know. And I think it just kind of contrasted with what was happening with Alan McGregor. It wasn't maybe his fault, but he knew he was going to get blamed. And I just felt as if, any time it was about anticipating, it was about coming forwards. They just he looks stuck on his feet. He looks he looks just yeah. kind of stuck to the spot. He can't move, and he looks kind of like he's scared of having. He's, he's scared that the fact his powers have gone. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, that's a bit over dramatic, but and, and I think that spreads through the defence. But I'm not going to question Michael Beal, um, except that I am right now. Um, we're talking about that, that press conference today. Um, Talking about transfer situations, uh, talk, talking about the, the, the contracts that have got to be signed or renewed, whatever, for various players that we've got. And of course, this uh, horrendous injury list, it's complicated injury list. You know, we've got players coming back, we've got players that are, that are you know, 
they were in the middle of coming back and now that they've setbacks and you know we've got other guys who say yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And I think uh, never mind what he said today and how much of it's true or not, and you know how, how much of a bit corny about him wanting players to go outside and look in the eye, look each other in the eye and fight for that spot, or given given the number of unresolved kind of plain personal issues, the still lengthy injury list, the key players' contracts running out in the summer. And we're over halfway through January. We still don't have any new signings in. I'm beginning to be seriously impressed by Michael Beale's ability just to juggle the variables in this squad and get a tune out of the team on the pitch. You know, do you agree? Do you, would you agree with that? Because I think there's been there's so much going on. He's, every press conference, there's so much to discuss in terms of injuries, contracts, and a lack of signings. And yet he still keeps getting the team out there. They keep getting, you know, nine times out of ten, they're getting the win. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating because. When you look at it, the reason Bill came into Rangers was because we weren't in, in a great shape in terms of, you know, very rarely does a manager walk into a football club and everything's rosy. Usually when a manager walks into a football club, there'll be things to fix. And he's had to juggle, you know, an injury crisis along with a squad that was massively low in confidence and that just weren't playing well at all. A fan base that was kind of, had kind of started to turn on the previous manager. So we were kind of a bit, you know, kind of that old kind of unhappy way in terms of recent performances. Um, so he's had to juggle all that and he's managing to, all right, the performances aren't quite where he wants them to be, but he's managing to get results. And at Club at Rangers, that's that's the main priority, especially when you're just in the door and you're still trying to get ideas across to the players and still trying to implement a style of football. And he's also trying to get players up to the level of fitness that, he needs them to be for that style of football. So he's having to juggle a lot of a lot of kind of plates and he seems to be doing it pretty well um, in terms of the results. You know, you can't really argue with his record just now. Um, it speaks for itself. So, you know, long may it continue. And if we can get a couple of signings in the door, I think that would help massively because I think this squad just looks as if it needs some help in the form of some new players to come in and freshen it up. It really does, doesn't it? And I think that's that's why I think I say Colin referred to this on Sunday. The, the fact that you can still see all the signs of how uncertain the lack of confidence, you know, what they've been through in terms of failures this season, it's, it's still in their system. But the fact he keeps getting these wins out of them, you know, albeit apart from maybe the old the old firm game, um, even to do it after extra time on Sunday, it's like every single game he's he's played, there's been massive problems, but there's also been massive massively impressive aspects to each game that he's been in charge of yeah. uh, massively encouraging aspects but the one thing for me is it's almost like perfect laboratory conditions you can see this team as you say it's tired they're uncertain of themselves they're lacking in confidence but you can see what Beal's doing to them to get them to keep to, to keep winning and I'm wondering if part of that um, as his press conference style, which seems to keep creating a kind of sense of forward momentum. And is he using little white lies to do this? Do you believe he was saying today that um, he was kind of tricked into, you know, expressing, you know, or, or giving out compliments about Everton's Tom Davis um, and he's no longer, he never was a target, you know. Do you, do you think that's true? Or was it was just a nice way of him? Because to me, I think it, it was a week or so ago, he seemed to be saying, Tom Davis and uh, Todd Cantwell, the same kind of statement. It was like, yeah, I, I like the two of them, and we're... it was, it was, it was a classic manager speak for. Yeah, we're talking to them, but I just kind of confirm yeah. it. The thing that gave it away for me is the fact that he actually compared Tom Davis to one of our players in John Lundstrom. I think he said the quote was he said that Davis is a bit of the John Lundstroms about him. So that sort of gave it away to me that it was a player we were looking at, 
and now he's kind of backtracked. I'm guessing that they've maybe spoken to him and couldn't agree to him, but he was wanting more than majors on the offer or something. But I do think there was an interest there. I think you know those names don't just kind of get plucked out of a hat. They obviously come from somewhere, and I think there was genuine interest there that's maybe not um, what came to fruition, unfortunately. Um, but you know, a couple of signings would really lift the mood and just. Just freshen things up a bit. I think that the players need it as much as the fans at this point, to be honest, with the, the amount of injuries we've got and just tired legs. I mean, we know we've got, you know, many players playing through injuries just now. You know, it's been well documented. Lunchcombe's having to have injections. Kamara needs an operation at some point. You know, Ryan Jacks had to do 120 minutes um, there and he's, his injury um, problems have been well documented. Alfie's playing through injuries. It just feels like we need two or three players in just to, to help this squad and just to kind of get performance levels to where Bill, Bill needs them. Maybe he's talked about the interesting phrase that he uses. He wants to raise the, the kind of technical quality of the squad by bringing players in. That's quite interesting that he's kind of almost saying that, you know, the players need a bit of help to get them to where I need to get them to. So hopefully in the next last two weeks of the month, we'll, we'll get the players in that, that he's looking for. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that... Um... They were talking about how the, the team was a bit kind of hesitant, a bit uncertain um, yeah. on, on after Sunday. And then we had um, Scott Wright today saying that we're a lot calmer yep. than we were earlier in this season. And we, we, we know we can get our way back into games. I thought that was the perfect. Kind of, it's obviously starting to cross over. The team themselves are starting to feel the Beal effect. But it's like sometimes they need it. When they're on the park, it's almost like they need to have headphones in and Michael Beal can give them a kind of ongoing halftime team talk. You know, like almost a positive reinforcement. You know, is, you deserve is that to be that we explored that option. Exactly. Well, it's probably worked better than the VAR did at Hamden anyway. You know, it's worked better than the referees' headphones. Um, <laughs> but aye, there's definitely there's definitely something definitely something going on. He's definitely got a touch of the guru about, it, and I'm wondering if that's what it is. You know, just if he has to kind of smooth things out, tell a wee lie here and there. That's that's all right by us to keep things going. I also wonder. We're talking on Friday about. Um, and more or less, it sounded like he was putting pressure on the board, putting pressure on Ross Wilson in particular, where he was saying, you know, I've done all I can do. Yeah. Might just have been a kind of poor choice of phrase, but he seems to choose his phrases, his, his physiology uh, pretty pretty carefully. So I don't know if, it, again, he's maybe been told that's that's not happening, and you owe me one. And by the way, Bill, you better go out there and just say it was never, it never happens, you know, we we're never interested in him. Um, I don't know, you, you can read too much into these things, but um, he, he all but confirmed negotiations to bring Cantwell in from Norwich are going well. And he, he also told us this Swansea's kind of Morgan Whitaker, who's just finished a very successful loan period with uh, Plymouth Argyle, albeit in uh, League One. I think he scored something like nine, 11 goals or something um, in the kind of first half of the season in, in the, the, the EFL down there. Um, and Plymouth doing really well as a result of, as a result of that. And he said, I think he said, Bill, he's a player we, we know, I think he's a good player. Again, you know, unsubtle way of saying I can't even I can't say anything um, official, he, but I definitely. He doesn't really keep his cards close to his chest, does he? Like no. he always. He, I I bet he's got a terrible poker face. You just seem <laughs> to ask him a question, and then he just kind of all just kind of spills out. He can't he can't keep it in. I know, um, I know. Are you happy? Are you thinking, is this a kind of player we should be looking at? You know, some people are kind of turning their nose up saying it's only League One he's been playing in this season, albeit Swansea, the championship club, and that's a good level down there. I think Joe came from League One, didn't he? Um, exactly. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Josh Windass also came from, from League One. Um, Aribo certainly clearly made a profit on him, and, you know, I think Josh Windass did as a turn, to be fair, whether you 
like his personality or not is another story, but um, I think he on the field there's a turn to us and he can turn our nose up at players just because they're coming from League One. Um, I'll be completely honest, it's not a player I'm familiar with. I've not even did the obligatory look him up on YouTube thing, um, so I can't really say um, comment on it? him as a player, to be honest. Uh, you, you've got to go on Patrick Caskey's Twitter feed. That's 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 the place to be for information yeah. and uh, any player any player readers are interested and definitely check that out for the, the the hard stats. But it sounds like he's kind of like a forward slash winger, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think Bill was mentioning the same. But he, he quickly went on to talk about how uh, Ryan Kent, amongst others, yeah. is, is, is hasn't renewed his contract. Uh, he goes out of contract in the summer, so it seems to me like he's one of these players who's, who's going to kind of play in a, a front three behind a main striker or. Could double up as being the main striker. Yeah, it also fits the profile. I think that Bill likes in terms that he's he's a young player, and and Bill said before he's very much a development coach. He likes to get players in that he can develop and mould. He's obviously comes from that background of you know youth development, so I think he fits that kind of profile in terms of what Bill's looking for. Uh, Bill seemed really keen on the kind of development side of the game. He, he said numerous times that. He sees himself as a development coach and he's really big on that, you know, taking a player and identifying what they need to improve on and helping them improve. So hopefully he's seen something in him. Um, you know, who am I to question? Michael Bill's got to on a player. Um, he's forgot more than I'll ever know about football. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll back him on this one, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, Kamar Roof, um, his injury... Again, it's absolutely unbelievable uh, in Sunday, Kamar Roof getting get, get injured. That's what I said to Colin at the time. It's, it was the, the, the most typical kind of Kamar Roof performance. Everybody comes on as a sub, scores a winning goal with a touch of absolute class, and then he goes off injured, you know, and we're, and we're worrying uh, when we're going to see him again. Again, it is, it's a kind of shoulder injury. It's not a... Um, it's not been dislocated. There's no there's no breakage or anything like that. But um, they were taken for tests at the time of the the press conference today. And Bill was saying, you know, obviously, well, a phrase that must be used all the time. Once we'll find out once he's had his scan, you know, this <laughs> is used to be the kind of uh, stock phrase at iBooks these days. We find out just exactly how bad it is. But expecting him back in, in weeks rather than months, they were saying. But a lot of Rangers fans actually they're angry at Kamar Roof on my social media. Actually angry at Kamar Roof for getting injured. Um, as if he does it on purpose, you know. Did you? I find that kind of strange. Do you? Yeah, it sort of baffles me. I think that comes from well, two things. I think firstly, as we all know, how good he can be. So I think we're all just kind of saying that. I think if only he could stay fit. If only he could stay fit, he'd be you know first name on the team sheet type of thing. Because I think he is you know one of the kind of most natural finishers that we've got at the club. I think we've seen that in his goal at the weekend. You know that kind of striker's instinct of just to hang back a bit and wait for the pullback and then just effortlessly guides it into the back of the net. Um, it's probably not something that, that we see a lot from Alfie in terms of that kind of cool and calm finish. Alfie's more of a kind of head down and smash it type of um, forward. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing I think is we've obviously seen and we know of players that, you know, if they get a kind of broken toenail, they won't they won't play, so maybe there's kind of people out there thinking that Kemal Roos got a bit of that about him. Personally, I don't think so. I think I don't think he's one of these players that, you know, will kind of declare himself unfit if he's, you know, got a um, you know, sore hand or something. He's he's one of these players that I think he wants to be on the pitch. Of course he does. Um, and he's just really unlucky. It's just the kind of I guess the sad fact of the matter is if if Kemal Roof could stay fit, then he probably wouldn't be at Rangers. I think Aye. that's that's become a staple phrase around him, isn't it? We've, we've all had to kind of accept that. And it, you're right, he's not, 
he doesn't play like a man who's fragile. Um, yeah, I, I was yeah. truly saying to my, my pal Diane in the pub um, afterwards on Sunday that he's a bit, it reminds me of that kind of M. Night, M. Night Shalman, M. Night Shalman, the, the, there's, a, there's a film, it's Bruce Willis and um, oh, Samuel L. Jackson, was Unbreakable. And it's the guy who's got, I think it's brittle bone syndrome or something. Just every time he kind of, if he trips up that semi, he's in hospital for months. You know, and, and he's starting to remind me of that, but it's it's, it's not his fault. I mean, is it is the Slavia Prague, you know, goalkeeper's forehead, nose. He, he throws himself into every tackle yeah. he possibly can. That's, yeah. that's part of why he's so brilliant. And I, I look at him, it's a bit like my bullseye. He's what you could have won. I just think if, like if we could have had one more minute at a Kamar Roof last season, I think we would have won Europa League. You know, it, it's, yeah. it, what he did when he came on just showed you know, what we yeah. could have done. If we'd had one more month at him, we could have won the league as well, I think. Um, and it really is. I, I get that it's frustrating thinking, but, but I think that kind of comes out of what I was going to ask you next. I think that's how we get players like Roof and Halander from Bologna. We got him and he was, he was absolutely, you know, immense when he's fit. Yeah. And we now have this kind of situation. We've got like a striker. Um, Alfredo Morales isn't he fit enough. You know, but he's, he's great at leading the line. And then we have Antonio Cholak, who can put the ball in the back of the net in a way that uh, Alfredo can't. You know, whereas Alfredo can lead the line in a way that Cholak never can. We've got a goalkeeper who is great at shot stopping, but is rubbish at crosses. And McLaughlin's great at crosses and what have you, but is, isn't as good at the shot stopping. It seems to be, we have this whole thing going on where we've got so many players. The injury list as well. Um, I don't keep going about it. Like Tom Lawrence, who's was just becoming absolutely yeah. superb, becoming essential. I think that's a, a, a loss. We haven't happened to our centre-halves yeah. this season. It was epic, the losses at centre-half. What happened to Tom Lawrence has been kind of overlooked. Yeah. Um, we've got yeah. Hadji, you know, so, you know, he's due to come back, and then he isn't. Even Cholak this week, yeah. it's, he's coming back on a weekend because he's going to be playing the plastic at, at, um, at Rugby Park. You know, With all this kind of stuff, it's, Bill's doing really well to juggle it all and keep getting a tune out of the team. But with all this uncertainty, this is before you throw in the lack of signings that have arrived and the lack of contracts being signed on the mountain are probably going to be terminated um, in the summer. Is there any kind of possibility we could even win the League Cup against Celtic? Far less can like claw back the title with so much uncertainty around the first team squad. I mean, I think we can. We can win it um, in a one-off game. We proved last season in the the semi-final were more than a match. In fact, we proved you know just a couple of Scott Ibrox that um, were more than a match for them. Um, so I'm I'm definitely going into it with um, confidence that we can we can lift the trophy. Um, you're right. There is a lot of uncertainty. Um, I'll say it again. A few signings wouldn't go amiss. Would certainly help kind of ease that situation. Um, so yeah. Um, but hopefully by then we'll, we'll have a couple of players back. I think Hadji's due to return them a couple of weeks. So I think if he comes in and gets up to speed, he could be a real difference maker. Um, I think we have actually missed him um, when he's been out. You know, he's he's one that can can get numbers in terms of goals and assists. So I think he could bring something if we can get him up to speed fairly quickly. Um, Tom Lawrence, the, the update on him didn't, didn't sound too promising today. He, he kind of a bit non-committal about that. I do worry if he's going to become the, the Jordan Ross or he'll be back in seven to ten days type of thing. That's my worry on him because we know we've seen it when he was fit. He was, you know, brilliant for us, to be honest. He was kind of deciding of the, the summer until he got injured and it, it looked a fairly innocuous injury. It happened just in front of me, Ibrox. And I remember when it first happened, um, Gio at the time kind of 
said there was nothing to worry about, and then it's turned into this, you know, major problem. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a bit of a worry, definitely. Um, but hopefully we can, um, despite all the kind of uh, injuries and things like that, kind of um, rolling around, we can go to Rugby Park tomorrow and uh, Michael Beale can pull off another master stroke and just get another win. I think that's all we need to do now. We just that old cliche thing of game by game and just just get the wins. Talking, talking of which, as you say, come on, look at Rugby Park tomorrow night. That's uh, Wednesday, Wednesday the 18th of January, 2023, 8 o'clock kickoff. It's live on Sky Sports. Um, the sight of Graham Shinney kind of bustling about that Aberdeen midfield on Sunday kind of brought back memories of uh, Derek McInnes' side, you know, that frequently annoyed us in the Stephen Gerrard era. Um, that combined with a return to the horrors of Rugby Park's kind of brick of a rubber pitch, a surface, a venue that gave Gerard and Bill no end of pain. It could make us forget Kilmarnock are second bottom. Uh, Brian, actually second bottom in the league just now. Uh, North Ayrs is a lot closer than Dingwall, because you know, Ross County are at the bottom of the league at the moment. If we had to be anywhere other than Ibrox this midweek, is, is this the best option going to Kilmarnock tomorrow night? I think so, yeah. I think yeah, we obviously know that Ayrshire's also get um, in a plenty of bears in it as well, so we should have uh, plenty of supporters um, at um, Rugby Park as well, so that'll, that'll help. Um, the pitch is obviously, we always talk about that when we go there, but the one thing I will say about the pitch this time is it won't actually be the worst pitch we've played on this week, so uh, that's interesting. Um, that's it says nice. a lot about our national stadium. Um, yeah, I, see, but, I think yeah. I, the, player, the players might actually be glad of a kind of true bounce. Yeah. You know. Um, so, I mean, I think we We've showed great character under Bill, like I was saying, winning all but one match uh, since he's come since he's returned to Ibrox and, and, and taken on the job of manager. He's still undefeated. Is this the moment? Uh, the moment I'm kind of waiting for. It's going to go one of two ways, I think, in this this run under Bill. Say every game, I think we've had like, like forty to forty five minutes would have been great, and it might have been like a solid half like we had at Tannadice, or it's kind of dotted about the game, different parts of the game like we had on Sunday. Uh, is this the moment tomorrow night where they kind of they, they, they properly slip up for the first time? They actually just it all goes wrong when we drop some points and that's it. The league title's official, almost officially over. Or is this going to be the moment we turn up and we put on a properly commanded display first and second half? Uh, I I think it'll be a, a bit of a grind. I don't think we'll slip up if I had to kind of nail my colours to the match right now. I think we'll win, but I don't think it'll be a kind of swashbuckling we'll just blow them away type of performance either. I don't think you'll ever get that at Kelly um, on that pitch, I think it'll be a bit of a grind, a bit like Tannadice, where we might need to grind it out a bit, um, and then hopefully let our kind of superior quality show through. Um, to be honest, it'll be interesting to see the team he goes with. I suspect they'll want to make a few changes just because so many players did 120 um, the other day. You wonder how many of them have got another 90 on their legs, so you wonder if he'll look to ring the changes a bit, and that might also play a part in then the result, if he makes too many changes, that could backfire. Um, if he doesn't make enough, it might also backfire, because there might be a few of them there that's looking a bit leggy. So it'll be interesting to see the team he goes with. Um, we know we've got a long injury list, so they might, he might not have the options that he would want to change it. I wonder if it's maybe a game for Alex Lowry. Maybe that's one I would maybe throw out there, you see. Could yeah. we see him start? Um, yeah, yeah. I would be... I'd, I'd actually be keen to say that the more that I think about it, just... To add a bit of freshness and a bit of energy and a bit of dynamism and creativity into the, the midfield that we've kind of been lacking, so that'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll win. I don't think it'll be a classic. Um, I don't think we'll be 
in any massive rush to to rewatch it, but I think we'll get the we'll get the win that we need, and it'll be on to the next one. Uh, the fact that Ryan Jack played the full he, he played the full 120, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, and, and Saturday, sorry, on Sunday there, and uh, Ryan Kent as well. Of course, Ryan Kent never gets dropped, but I thought actually Ryan Kent was a bit. I, I think having watched it back. Uh, as I say, the game on Sunday, I think he could actually be felt a bit aggrieved at no getting uh, man of the match. But I was I was glad that Ryan Jack got it for the sake of the, the Aberdeen fans. But uh, I in Rugby Park, I think even before Stephen Gerrard arrived, but he said, right. I remember Graham Murtigan didn't there. I think it was the first game he was officially manager. He'd officially been appointed, you know, kind of permanent manager. We done that. We always seemed to take the lead and then we would, you know, just throw it away. In a series of games under, I think when Gerard first, I think the first time we went to Robbie Park under Stephen Gerard was a League Cup game, uh, kind of yeah, Septemberish and uh, Alfie. Was that the one Alfie scored the goal by? Was one of the goals with the one where he kind of nicked it off the keeper? He kind of waited behind the line where the keeper was uh, about oh. to kick it, and then he nicked it off him. So, I remember that about, one was it. That one was at Robbie Park. Sounds about right. I know he'd won. He'd won like that at um, at Dingwall. You know where he uh, the goal he made that was quite harsh. He got Fox. He snuck in behind him, I think. But uh, I just the, the one I always remember at Robbie Park was he scored it. It was a perfect hat trick, you no know, left foot, right foot header. Yeah. And I think he, he scored a perfectly good fourth goal as well uh, in that game. And he thought, right, this, this is going to be fine. And thereafter, it was just I think, uh, vast majority yeah. of games at Robbie Park been an absolute nightmare. So hopefully that'll all, that'll all change them having a, a little spell uh, in the championship. No Colac, no Cholak's going to be wristing the, uh, the Robbie Park plastic. And the, the manager says James Sands is going to take Roof's place. Um, and the only kind of predicted difference to Sunday's squad. But he was drawn into a comment. Um, it was Derek Clark, I think the, the Rangers Review, talking to him uh, today at the press conference, asked him uh, if there's any chance that, look, with, with Cholak not being there, Roof, Roof being injured, any chance that maybe B team strikers, Robbie Ewer and Zach Lovelace, had a chance of getting into the team. And he kind of he, he kind of responded kind of tartly with the, well, they're playing this afternoon. Um, they've got a chance to impress, you know. And it turned out the two of them actually scored both Ewer. Um, and lovely scored against Partick. That was a 5-1 win in the end uh, over Thistle for the B team in the, in, in the Glasgow Cup. Alfredo, still slow. See, I think he did a lot better, did a lot better than I initially realised. Um, I think the bit that summed up for Alfredo on Sunday was when he was trying to claim for the ball being over the line because that was easier than following up for a rebound. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to, yeah. I'm knackered. So I'm going to stand here and appeal that the ball is over the line rather than walking the two yards to actually get the ball and try and kick it over the line. Um, he's, he's still sluggish. Do you think there's any chance that either of these two boys starting? Um, I don't think either of them will start. I think it'd be a massive risk to start them um, up there. Uh, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing them in the squad. Certainly Lovelace, I think he's been doing really well at the B team. He's kind of in that stage in his career where he's made probably too good for the B team, but not quite good enough for the first team. So it's whether he kind of brings him into the squad and maybe if the game's going our way, brings him on for the last kind of 15 minutes, I would I would be all for that, to be honest. Um, I'd be all for more of that just generally with the, the youngsters just seeing a bit more of them in the first team if we can if results allow us to give them kind of 15, 20 minutes at the end of games. Um I think Lowry's a bit different in that I, I sort of consider him now as a first teamer. Whereas we we love Lace and, and Robbie Ewer, they're they're still kind of B team players. Um, yeah. For me, but they're maybe at that level where they're, they're getting to the point where they're too good for the B team, but not quite good enough for the first team. So I'd be all for seeing them um, kind of come on for the last 15, 20 minutes. I think you'll probably go with Morelos up front just because we physically don't have any other options at this point. Um, yeah, so I think that'll be what you'll go with, but I'd be all for, for seeing them come off the bench. 
I mean, we had to be patient um, against Kilmarnock. We played them at Ibrox in the league, I think it was back in August. Eventually beat them 2-0. Um, I think it was Cholak wrapped it up late on. Uh, didn't take lead until the second half. But Kilmarnock racked up like kind of six six bookings, like six different players. And it had that look of the kind of systematic thing that Aberdeen would do under McInnes, where everybody would take a single booking, kicking someday. That kind of attitude uh, on this kind of surface tomorrow night, maybe Kilmarnock still feeling a bit aggrieved, a bit angry at... Um, the what happened to them on on Sunday more more kind of angry perhaps than they are knackered um, after the, the their exertions on, on Sunday at hand and the decisions that went against them. Um, everybody was plenty to see for everybody watching that game. Do you think maybe on a, on a kind of on that surface, a freezing January, there's a danger we're going to get a few um, maybe some suspensions or even some injuries, more injuries ahead of the the cup game at Perth on Friday. There's definitely a danger on that pitch. Certainly the injuries that. The kind of memory that always springs to mind when we talk about that pitch is uh, Jamie Murphy's injury, you know, that yeah. potentially robbed him of some of the best years of his career, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, so you want to avoid that at all costs, to be honest. And I think that's just another argument for not having plastic pitches in the top division, but I guess that's another debate for another podcast. Um, so I think it is something that we need to be mindful of, certainly with the players that played the full 120, do you want them going straight into the next game being on that pitch? Would you rather protect some of them that are more injury prone? I'm thinking Ryan Jack specifically. Will they maybe think I'll protect Ryan Jack a bit from that pitch since he's just done the 120 and possibly bring in a, you know, the, um, Kamara or maybe even a Charlie McCann or Alex Lowry? Um, so I think it will be in his mind, the injury thing. Um, I think it was always in, in Gerard's mind after that Jamie Murphy injury um, when going up there. So it'll be. It'll, that adds another kind of note of interest to the the team selection. I'm 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 got a suspicion he's just going to go same same starting eleven uh, as as Sunday and just hope that we can get in a position uh, by half time, maybe even an hour, but it's comfortable enough that we can get a uh, we can start rotating. You also wonder if he has one eye on the the game of the weekend. That's obviously a cup game, so that's it, you could argue with the way the league is is positioned. Does he prioritise the cup over? over the league position, but Rangers fans are never going to concede the league. So we still have to be winning our, our league games, obviously, and we can't, we, you know, we can't fall any further behind in the league. So he's kind of in a, in a bit of a no-win position. We just need we, to get the win at all costs. We had the whole week off last week. No midweek game last week. There's no midweek game next week. But this really intense period, we've thrown extra time. And of course, as you say, Kilmarnock have basically 20-odd hours extra rest and they didn't play the extra half hour. Um in their League Cup semi-final on Sunday. Do you think, I know they say the fans will never give up, I certainly don't want us to, to give up, you know, but I'd like to have a wee pop at this Celtic team in terms of the league, I'd like to see them start shaking a bit. Um, do you think though this this kind of level, with all these injuries we keep talking about, the exertions subliminally, maybe subconsciously, the players might just start thinking in the back of their mind, if it's too hard tomorrow night, if Kilmarnock are right up for it, the conditions only suiting them. Aye, we're into one cup final. Let's just be a cup team this season. Do you think there's, there's any chance they'll let it go? I think if you'd asked me under Gio, I might have said yes. But under Michael Beale, they've not really they've shown a bit of a different mentality when that if things aren't going their way, they've they've shown that ability to just roll their sleeves up. Um Tanner Dice springs to mind, you know, um Tibbs at Ibrook springs to mind, where they've they've turned it around when it's not been going their way. So they've shown that ability to dig in. Um, when they're not playing well or they're maybe behind and, and get the result. So I think Michael Beals had a bit of a, a bit of a mentality shift in the squad and that um, 
they won't give up and they'll, they'll keep fighting if they're if it's not going their way or maybe they're behind so that for me that's definitely positive signs we obviously we need to not be going behind so often to be honest we're kind of doing that a bit too much but it is a kind of good trait to have where if you go behind you know you've got that ability to just dig in and still pull out the result so hopefully that will stand us in good stead as well and of course they're, they're, they've been stood outside all day looking at their opponent for their position you know uh, ready to fight, ready to fight about looking, looking yeah. in the eye. he said that about seconds I'm thinking it's absolutely freezing out there Michael don't have them standing <laughs> outside before they go to rugby park you know so if they fight their opponent uh, for their position, and they also there'll be a, I know obviously a good dozen or so signings before the end of the, the January transfer window. Um, but back on planet Earth, Brian, thanks very much for joining me, my friend. We'll, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks to everybody uh, for, for joining us this evening for that quick wee pod early preview of events at Robbie Park uh, tomorrow night. We will be back, myself and Brian, but this time Brian will be uh, hosting, so it'll be uh, a, a much tidier pod. It will go a lot more smoothly. Uh, rather than me ranting and raving um, but don't forget to just check us out on Acast iTunes YouTube Castbot Stitcher or Spotify wherever you get your pods folks thanks very much for joining us and we will see you on Friday and enjoy the game at Comarmac good night <laughs>